Break a leg. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Energy Awareness Radio. We've all heard the expression, your eyes are the windows to your soul. The key to seeing the light that expands your consciousness, allowing you to experience greater presence and aliveness than ever before. That's what we'll be discussing in just a few minutes, and it is fascinating, so stay tuned. This is your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am the founder and CEO of the Soji Huggles Children's Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to providing the basic necessities of life to underprivileged children. I'm also a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology and energy psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice, located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer, 
free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest, Dr. Jacob Lieberman, is a pioneer in the fields of light, vision, and consciousness. He's originally trained as an optometrist and vision scientist, and his life changed in 1976 after the miraculous healing of his eyesight, leading him to a deeper understanding of light and the science of life. Dr. Lieberman is an internationally respected public speaker and shares his scientific and spiritual discoveries about light as the divine spark that guides our life's journey, entwining us with the unseen architect of all that is, He's addressed more than 2,000 live audiences worldwide and has been endorsed by award-winning artists, Hall of Fame athletes, and luminaries in science, spirituality, and medicine. He is the developer of the first FDA-cleared medical device for vision improvement and has authored three seminal books on light and vision, and we will be discussing his most recent, Luminous Life, How the Science of Light Unlocks the Art of Living, Welcome to the show, Dr. Lieberman. Thank you so very much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? I am uh, being spectacular, and I've got a big smile <laughs> on my face, and I'm grateful to be <laughs> here with you today to share something that um, hopefully will put a smile on your listeners' face as well. Well, it not only put a smile on my face, but in my heart. Your book is fascinating, I have to say. When Jackie sent me, your PR person sent me your press release, I was so intrigued and wanted to learn more, and I've been looking forward to speaking with you. Now, I know that you've written two other books on light and vision prior to Luminous Life. So what was the catalyst for you to actually write this particular book? Um, actually, I had written three books, one on light, one on vision, and one was a consciousness-based book. But the reason that Luminous Life uh, was given birth is because so often we write books about things that you can do to improve your life or different therapeutic modalities that are available. However, what I was trying to bring forth is a much more fundamental message, which is that everything we are yearning for is already given to us free of charge. And when we begin to really look at the fundamental underpinnings of life, in a wide variety of ways, you begin to see all of our doing is actually in opposition with the entire way that life is designed. And so for me, this book was about sharing uh, discoveries that I had made over the last 45 years some of them uh, through clinical practice, some of them through research, but most of them through direct experience, meaning that these were profound epiphanies that came in those unique moments when we get glimpses about life and we're not looking at life through our ideas, but these are like flashes of revelations that come to us out of nowhere and literally change the course of our life. I've had quite a few of those in the last 45 years. They have profoundly affected me, and because of that, I have felt inspired and moved to share these things uh, with my brothers and sisters in humanity because I felt that awareness is curative and that literally seeing something anew, in a new way can alter everything in our life. 
And we're so grateful that you are sharing all of that with us because your book is so well written and so easy to understand and follow. And it, it really is fascinating to go to read it, to go through the journey with you. I think that um, first, one of your experiences that you talked about in the book was your vision improvement during a meditative state. So I was wondering if you yeah. wouldn't mind sharing that with our listeners. Sure. Um, I uh, finished my medical training and scientific training in the early 70s. Uh, I had been wearing glasses since my first year of college. And I was fascinated um, and also simultaneously disturbed by the fact that when I went into practice, I noticed that everyone's eyes continually get worse. That Mm -hmm. if you go to the eye doctor's office, every year the patients come back and say, I can't see as well. And every year they're given a larger dosage of the same thing they got the year before. And what came to me is if a problem continues to get worse, we really have to examine the solution that we are giving to people. And so since that had happened to me, uh, I started looking at unique ways that I might be able to help my patients not only to naturally improve their eyesight or perhaps reverse some of the damage that had been done, but also to prevent further deterioration or to prevent it from occurring in the first place. And in fact, my first piece of published research, which I conducted in 74 and 75 and published in a peer-reviewed journal in 76, was just about that. And it was called Prescribing for Performance and Prevention. Because I like to experiment with myself, because I don't want to recommend anything to people that I do not know by heart has an impact. And so I started experimenting with myself, and everything was helping to some degree, but it was a very slow process. And one day in 1976, while I was doing my daily meditation practice, which had been going on since the very early 70s, I had a profound experience. I don't know exactly what occurred, but something was aware of me sitting in the room. And whatever was aware of me sitting in the room seemed to be able to see everything in the room simultaneously. I don't know how to describe it, but everything was clear and almost sparkly. And this was sort of odd for me because in my everyday life, when I took off my glasses, things were quite blurry. I could just see the big E on the eye chart. I needed my glasses for driving and for pretty much everything I did. But here I take my glasses off. I close my eyes in meditation. And from somewhere inside... I'm aware of everything in the room. I'm aware of myself sitting in the room, and everything is crystal clear. That was rather profound, but what really blew me away was when I opened my eyes and my eyesight was clear. I mean, a level of clarity that I do not remember before. And I was so astounded that I drove myself to my office with my eyeglasses on the seat next to me, And notice that I could read the license plates and the street signs and the billboards. And I got to my office and I started to check my ability to see without straining at 20 feet away on a variety of eye charts. And I could consistently see 300% better than I had seen any time that I had examined myself before that. And after I doing that over and over again with eye charts I had never seen before, then I wasn't quite sure what to do next, so I decided to examine <laughs> myself like I had thousands of patients. And so I put myself behind my instrument. 
I started changing lenses and wondering which was better this way or this way. And when I finished the exam, I was sure that I would come out from the device and the prescription in the device would be something weaker or maybe no prescription at all because I couldn't imagine how else I could be seen clearly, as clearly as I was. But to my amazement, when I came out from behind the device and looked at it, the prescription in the device was almost identical to the prescription in my eyeglasses. So <laughs> let me share with you that again, because I don't think your listeners will really get what I'm saying. My mm -hmm. eyesight had improved my 300%, but my eyes had not changed at all. And so then, you which know, is amazing from the, yeah, from the perspective of a vision scientist and eye doctor, how can that possibly occur? We see with our eyes, I thought, mm -hmm. and then, and then I really didn't know, was this a miracle or do I have some terrible disease going on that's causing this? <laughs> because this was really not possible, you know? No one ever spoke about this. I had never read anything about anything like this. And so what was fascinating is after being with this for quite a period of time, I realized that the only way this could occur is if the aspect of our humanity that sees is actually not our eyes, but something other than that. Now, if that kind of an experiment or ex experience would have occurred for a few minutes, you would have said, oh, my God, that was a miracle. Or if it occurred for an hour, mm -hmm. you'd say, wait a minute, this is mind-blowing. But now this has remained for 42 years. <laughs> and I'm 70 and a half now. And I have never had a pair of glasses on my face for distance or for reading since that day. And so what that experience did, that's what I call a direct experience where we see something beyond our ideas. And what I got to see is an instance of seeing from the source of our seeing can literally change the course of our life and our health, because that occurred with no effort, no intention, no doing of any sort. And what's fascinating about that is, you see, there's nothing in our physiology that is designed to initiate action. Let me repeat that. There is no part of our humanity that is set up in such a way that we're supposed to do something or make things happen. In actuality, our beingness is continually responding to something that is guiding it, triggering it, bringing an opportunity to it. And that is what my life has been about for the last 42 years. That's what this book is about, is recognizing that within the intelligence of light, what the Bible also calls God, what quantum physicists refer to as the ground of reality, and what all spiritual traditions say that consciousness is, when they say consciousness is light, within the intelligence of light, exists something that is not only animating the movement of everything, the planets, the, the tides, the seasons, our heartbeat, our breathing, and so on, but that light which catches our eye literally guides us toward the next step of our life's journey so that each of us can fulfill our reason for being in the same way as an apple tree is guided to create apples, it does nothing on its own. Uh, our entire being is guided the same way. And so this book, uh, 
integrates very contemporary science, a lot of clinical work over the last 45 years, and a lot of life to put together something that is not a different point of view, but something that is in between all of our points of view, something that is a level of truth beyond our beliefs. Um, and it's, it's actually quite commonsensical. It's just that none of us have been, uh, have been shared this information, this knowing. And because of that, most of us are living life according to ideas that often have nothing to do with life itself. And so it's like and, uh, it's like if I if I said to someone in California who wanted to go to New York, just get in your car and drive west. Well, they would never get to New York. And so that's what I feel is is occurring a lot uh, out in our lives right now. We are sharing ideas that may sound very interesting, but they actually. Uh, do not resonate at all with the intelligence of life and the intelligence of our makeup. And I will say that your book absolutely does. You do integrate an awful lot of science and um, information in here that makes it sound like it's an academic book. It is not. It is an extremely fascinating book. There are stories about patients in the book that you talk about. I think anyone would resonate with this. It's very easy to understand. So it's a and it's not a it's not a long read. It's only uh, 190 pages, and it's it's a quick read because you're fascinated and you want to learn more. Having said that, I realize that. The experience you had, your eyesight improved immediately in coming out of that meditative state, and you checked it all out, and, and your eyesight improved, but your eyes did not. But along with your eyesight, because I've read the book and I know the stories that came up and the way that you treated patients, I have to wonder, when did your insight improve and when did you notice that? Because it, it had to have in the way that you were treating future patients. It occurred instantly. And you knew instantly. It. It, 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 yeah, I knew something. I mean, I'll tell you how powerful it was. This occurred in 1976, and by 1982, I knew I had to sell my practice. And by 1986, I had in fact sold my practice, and have not practiced as a physician since back then. So what I'm sharing with you is the experience was so profound and impacted me in such a deep, deep, deep way that it gave meaning, real meaning, to everything I had been doing and everything that came after that. And I realized that our lives are designed to function with minimal or no effort. I spent years working with children who were diagnosed as having difficulties learning. That really resonated with me because I was one of those kids going through school. And what I uncovered through this experience is that learning is not resonant with trying or thinking ahead. All of the things we tell children to do actually obscures their ability to see, to be, and to learn without effort. And so that not only led me to work with thousands of children that had these difficulties and helped them to uncover their genius, but I worked with the U.S. Olympic team. I worked with a lot of top-notch professional athletes and people in business to uncover this um, state that resides within all of us that can literally set us free. And, you know, this is a hard topic to speak about, but so many wise people throughout history have recognized this 
from Einstein to Jesus to Ralph Waldo Emerson, people throughout history in the arts, in the science, in the medical field, spiritual people, in their own way, they've come to the same discovery. And so it's something that we really need to speak about um, because when you hear it, it rings true. It's not something that the average person needs to be convinced about because you can never convince someone that requires convincing. But if someone is already on the path of yearning for a deeper truth, some of this um, knowing, because it's something beyond knowledge, can really open up the portal that we Mm -hmm. have been yearning for to give us that direct taste. Right. And I think that you being an optometrist and practicing in the way that a standard traditional optometrist works and then having this experience, and then you got into light therapy. How did that come about? How does that play into all of this? Because that's really an important piece. Yeah. Well, you know, in school, I started uh, utilizing light of different colors, uh, even when I was still in school, as a therapeutic tool. But I never thought of it as light therapy. It didn't mean anything to me because the only thing I knew about light is it came off the sun and entered our eyes. And in some way, we saw not no information about the biological effects of light or therapeutic implement, you know, uh, possibilities with light. None of that was ever shared with me. So even though I used light early in my life, I had not come to any clarity about that. But after this experience, something fascinating occurred. One of the things was that I began to see things I had never seen before. Uh, Jonathan Swift once said, real vision is the ability to see the invisible. Uh, Mm -hmm. One of the things that happened to me after this experience is that aside from seeing the external world clearly, I was aware of this glow, this biofield that seems to encapsulate the human body and all other living things as well, trees, mountains, rocks, and so on. I seem to be aware of that, and I had never been aware of that before. And so I could see that the body was in some way interacting or giving off light, even though I didn't know what it meant. And then I started doing experimentation with my patients where while I would watch this subtle energetic emanation, what we sometimes call the aura, I would ask them questions and noticed how this emanation changed. And what I noticed is that when people were in a beautiful state of relaxation and flow, there was this lovely glow around them. But the moment they began to work at something, to try hard to think, it was almost like the light just disappeared. It just shrunk. Not only did I see that directly with my own eyes, but when I used uh, specialized optical equipment to look at someone's eyes, Uh, in a process called retinoscopy, when I looked at their eyes and had them solve arithmetic problems in their head, had them read and so on, I could tell by the light in the pupil of the eye whether that individual was in a state of flow and ease or was in a state of dis-ease and contraction. And it was fascinating because when you look at the pupil of the eye and the person is working on something, the pupil appears dark, almost like a muddy type of a look with very little light. And yet when Hmm. that 
drops away and all of a sudden the person has an epiphany like wow something becomes clear to them something inside of them says oh i see the pupil opens up and literally becomes like a halogen headlight it's bright it's vibrant and so i began to see that our life's interactions whether they were stressful or whether they were at of a of a nature that was just filled with ease that would become very evident not only in the aura around the body but in the light that was emitted from the eyes and so that's when i first realized that light was something very powerful and then i started learning about different applications of light and then finally developed my own approach to utilizing light not so much to treat problems but to utilize light as a way of opening up our lives and expanding our receptivity to the whole process of life. And it seems to me that this that the the light and color therapy is not really to remediate the disease as you say per se. It seems it's more about embracing our lives to live them more fully and the side effect if you will is the remediation of diseases perhaps. Was that a fair yeah, statement? Yeah, I mean, you can, yes, you can use light therapy to treat all kinds of conditions. But ever since I left practice and the medical field, um, I started realizing that something was more important to me than treating a condition. What was more important mm-hmm. to me was allowing someone to experience their wholeness Uh, And allowing someone to come to a place where they were more comfortable with what used to be uncomfortable. Let me explain a little bit. Most disease is not acute illness like getting a cold or a flu. Most disease is chronic illness. That's about 92 to 93% of disease is chronic illness. What does chronic illness mean? It means that it is something related to lifestyle. And this is why whenever you have chronic illness, the only thing that significantly impacts that is a change in lifestyle. So because uh, most disease is caused by or significantly contributed to by what we call stress, it is important for us to look at what stress is. Now, for most of us, stress is some sort of a trash can term that can involve a whole lot of different things. But for me, stress is what occurs when we have an allergic reaction to some aspect of life. And that could be coming into contact with poison oak coming into contact with a food we are allergic to or an environmental allergen, or most commonly coming into contact with a person or situation that is unresolved in our lives. And so Bingo, most that's people, a big one. Yeah, most people are allergic to their former husbands or wives. Many are allergic to their parents or certain you know business partners or employers people that we say oh they stabbed me in the back or they they were mean to me and so most of our stress is that we are continually getting triggered by aspects of life that are unresolved and the reason we become triggered is so that this situation which sometimes I call a situation, this situation Mm -hmm. can literally come to the surface so we can view it once again from a new perspective and hopefully help it to resolve. And so because I realize that life does that naturally as a way of spurring our evolution, all of my approaches to working with individuals was based on what I saw nature herself was doing. 
And so my approach to utilizing light and color therapeutically isn't based on diagnosing or treating anything because I don't see that there's anything wrong with any of us. It's just about noticing where in life are we protecting ourselves from some aspect of life because we had to. That's what our bodies did to protect us. And if someone is seeking or yearning for assistance, how can we very, very gently awaken these places so that we can see them from a present state in our lives? And through the process of being aware of them, they begin to self-resolve. And I have found this to be very beautiful because when we become comfortable with what used to be uncomfortable, the things that trigger us trigger us less or don't trigger us at all. And when that occurs, we begin taking in more light than we ever have before. I'm not talking spiritually now. I'm talking literally. We get much more energized Our cells produce a lot more energy for everything from their functioning to the prevention of disease to regenerating uh, aspects of our being that require regeneration. So as we expand our receptivity to the light spectrum, we take in a lot more life and we take in a lot more light and everything begins to change as a function of that. And for for a lot of us, we have become not delighted, but delighted or have diminished our light or we've lost our light. And you, in your book, in reading it, I could see that you knew that the colors or the frequencies of energy that you saw people were not receptive to have the same energetic makeup as past experiences that they had not dealt with or resolved yet, and you knew how to shift that so that it could be resolved, would you consider yourself a medical intuitive? Well, uh, I am highly intuitive and have been my whole life, but let me share with you how I do that because there's nothing mystical about it. Um, Most of my work is that I mentor a small number of individuals, and I work with them primarily via Skype because I live in Hawaii, and most of them live in different parts of the world. And I do a very simple color analysis, which I actually speak about in the book, and I do this Mm -hmm. while speaking with them, and their response to the colors let me know a tremendous amount about the colors they're receptive to and the colors they're allergic to and how that has impacted their life and their health. And so then what I do is I've created a very simple kit. I used to develop a a lot of devices for professionals and therapists to use in their practices because I, when I started working with people who were living 10,000 miles away and I didn't want them to have to spend thousands of dollars on a, on a piece of equipment or go through a training. I wanted to be able to send them something simple they used at home. So I started developing these glasses with different filters that I had analyzed. And very simple, simple glasses made out of cardboard like we used as kids for 3D movies. And then I would send them these glasses and they would use it with natural daylight or looking out a window to begin to achieve this at home while they went through some other processes that I uh, suggested for them and we had private sessions and so on. So what I've done now is that I essentially have created a kit um, so that people can begin to do this on their own, in the comforts of their own home, and actually take themselves through a lot of this process. 
And so, yes, I'm intuitive, but I don't, I don't go looking for things when I'm working with someone. Those things come to me free of charge. And mm-hmm. what, I, what I do is just a very simple visualization that can provide the client and me a great deal of information and begins to, to show us which way we have to move. So I don't have a, a, a protocol that I use. I let the persons respond to the colors guide the process. Hmm. In other words, now, I is use that the, the intelligence S- of the body to do that. Is that the SRS3 kit? Yes, the SRS3 kit um, is essentially a, a set of 13 glasses that I have designed. They're each one's with different colored filters and uh, a manual that's about 20 pages that um, I have written that gives them a very nice background about light and color therapy as it was used on the body, as it was used optometrically through the eyes, and then provides a protocol of specifically how I use it and allows the person to do this over a 28-day period in the comforts of their own home. I mean, people that have more significant issues, they might need guidance of working directly with me because, you know, when you're going into the woods at night and you've never been in this particular forest, you know, it's not particularly a comfortable situation. And all of us in life go through difficult periods. No one escapes that. Everyone feels uncomfortable when they've lost a parent or, God forbid, a child or an intimate partner, mm-hmm. either through a leaving of the body or a divorce or some other uh, misunderstanding. None of us are comfortable if we lose our money or lose our homes or get sick. So during these periods, all of us are tender all of us need a hand to hold. And so the, the work, the, the, my mentoring process is not like a doctor-patient or therapist-client relationship. It's a special sort of friendship where both the individual that I am uh, working with and I are literally the same height. I don't see them as having a problem that I'm going to fix. I see this, that I have been blessed, that they have come to me, and we both get to go through a journey together and uncover a great deal in the process. So for those individuals that are going through bigger traumas and so on, they may need some professional assistance, whether it be from me or or some other professional. And then many, many Mm -hmm. people can just do this at home on their own. They already have a certain level of awareness or what's happening in their life is not so intense. And so they can receive uh, a great deal of assistance uh, just by utilizing the kit itself. It's a great tool. I, I, looked, I had to look it up. It, it looks like a great tool I wanted more information on because I'm totally fascinated by this. I think that one of the things that really early on in the book that really uh, intrigued me was the experiment that you did with the uh, carefully fabricated box and a powerful projector where the light shined directly into the box. And you made sure that the light would not illuminate any interior objects or surfaces in the box. And yet the projector was shining into the box. And when people looked in the box, it was absolute darkness. First of all, that experiment uh, was not done by me. That experiment was done by Arthur Zions, who is a a Mm. pretty renowned physicist uh, and as well as an author. And uh, he did this experiment because all of us are fooled by 
what we perceive and think light is. So I'm looking out my window right now, and it's a very bright day. When people look outside and they see what they experience as brightness, they say that's light. But light is actually invisible. I mean really invisible. You cannot see light. It is not a something. It is a no thing. It is formless. It doesn't have attributes. It's, it's the energy that precedes what is at some point alchemized into matter. It's the formless energy. So most people think they see light. They're not. They're just experiencing uh, brightness because of the design of their perceptual mechanism. When you go into outer space, which is filled with light, but there's nothing for that light to be interacting with, and so outer space is as black as black can be. And that is what Arthur Zions discovered uh, in the design of this experiment, that when light has nothing to interact with, what happens is you see nothing. It's only when that light interacts with a perceptual mechanism, whether it be the perceptual mechanism of a human, an animal, uh, of any sort. It's only when it interacts with something that all of a sudden something becomes visible and it doesn't look the same. It's different depending on who's looking at it and the type of perceptual mechanism they have. So what looks to you as reality will look different to a dog, different again to a dolphin, different again to a snake or a bee and yet we're all looking at what we think is the same thing but it's not the appearance of the world is dependent on the type of perceptual mechanism in other words the makeup of the eyes and brain and something mm -hmm. we call consciousness and that is different not only between humans, but that is radically different between humans and different kinds of creatures uh, in the world. And so we all see what we think is the real world. But in actuality, reality is something totally different than what we are perceiving. Yes. And if, to each person, it's totally different because of our belief systems, our core beliefs, what we've been brought up with, and exactly as you said, what, you know, our experiences of the past. So it definitely would have a different effect on each person, and I would say each animal and insect and, and whatever, simply because of, you know, their journeys. We all have different journeys, so that makes complete sense yeah. to me. The, the um, you talk about in your book... Uh, presence versus being present. And I think, and, and that was very interesting. If you would give us a, a definition of the difference or tell us the distinction between presence versus being present, because everybody, you know, it's a, it's a thing to say, that, you know, be present, be aware, be present, be aware. And yet presence is right. so different from that. So what's, yes. So what's your take on you that? You see, when, when someone says be present or you need to be more present, they're essentially telling you that in order to achieve this state, you have to do something. And it's mm -hmm. you have to do something more or differently than you're currently doing it. But actually, the doing is what obscures the possibility of presence occurring. So we say this to each other, not realizing that what we are requesting of the other person, we're giving them a faulty map. There is no way of achieving a state of presence from trying or doing. Presence is what is the result 
of the intelligence of life catching our eye and moving us, guiding us. That inseparability between the animating force of life, whatever is animating everything in this universe, which the Bible refers to as God and then says God is light, that uh, that inseparability between the guiding force and us, when those two become congruent and coherent, presence occurs. And that occurs without doing anything. So let me give you an example. Um, if you went out into the forest during the summer and you were observing a deer or a bear, let's say, if you could measure the thickness of their skin, the length of their fur, you would see that their skin is thin, thinner during the summer when the temperatures are warm and the amount of hair on the body is less so that they can remain cool. And their entire physiology is designed for days that are longer and there's greater heat there. As the seasons change from summer to fall, the animal's skin begins to gradually thicken and the amount of fur becomes thicker. And then winter rolls around and that morning of the first snowfall, when the bear awakens, he doesn't say, oh my God, I forgot to go to Target and get an overcoat. <laughs> and the, the, reason, the reason that they never say that is because they have been changing. Their entire physiology has been changing in correspondence to the changes in nature. Well, how do those changes occur? They occur because the light, depending on the day and time of the day and time of the year, is continually changing. Not only the quantity of light, but the quality of light. And mm. that, those changes in the sunlight are continually guiding every cell of our body to uh, orchestrate their internal function so that they can be in harmony with Mother Nature. And that is happening without any awareness on our part. That's all happening automatically. So that's why you awaken in the morning because the light comes up. That's why you go to sleep at night when the light goes down. This is why you mm -hmm. get fatigued at a certain part in the evening. This is all related to when a woman has a mens. This is all related mm -hmm. to when we become fertile and when we deliver babies. This is related to our hormonal release. Every physiological function is light dependent. So if we're living according to nature's laws, we are always in a perfect state of presence. But if we're living life according to our ideas about life, which, as I said before, often have nothing to do with life, then the running of our body is in opposition to, to the guidance that we're continually receiving from Mother Nature. And so the primary message of this book is to allow ourselves to be guided. And in the simplest of ways, what's catching your eye is looking for you. Because mm -hmm. it is the light looking for the eye rather than the eye looking for the light. And when that light catches your eye and causes your eye to reflexively look toward it, that isn't an accident. That's happening because that is the next thing you need to attend to. Whether it is someone that is a life partner whether it is that you see that internally as some uh, epiphany or a new discovery, or whether you notice a child entering the street while you're driving your car. 
that light that catches your eye is looking for each of us and guiding us on the journey that allows us not only to fulfill our reason for, for, for being, but to live at our maximum potential. And this is why I've always said, when you look less, you see more. That's very true, because I think that everyone, for instance, when I was reading the book, there were a number of times I could think of something that occurred in my life, and it came out of the blue, and it was something I needed to do, and turned into something that became something. It it was something created. It was something within me that had to be created. It was really fascinating. I love, love, love your book. As I said at the beginning of the show, this is totally fascinating. It's not academic. It's a great book to read. I can't believe we're almost out of time, Dr. Lieberman. But before we go, I really would love it if you would tell our listeners how they may learn more about you, your work, and where they may purchase your book, Luminous Life. Um, they can go to my website, which is Jacob Lieberman, and that's L-I-B as in boy, E-R-M-A-N dot O-R-G, not dot com, but dot org. Um, Mm -hmm. If you come to our site, there's a lot of fascinating things on the site. It's not a a marketing site, so you're not going to be hit with all kinds of things to buy. It's just a site to come it's it's not only beautiful, but there's a lot of fascinating information there as well. Um, and if they go there, my books are listed. And if they click on it, it will take them to Amazon or whatever bookseller they they want to go to. And they can learn about my my work there as well. Or they can follow uh, uh, my Facebook page if if they're interested, where we post things several times a week, and I often do little Facebook lives when I have something that I think is valuable to share with people. So that's essentially it in terms of, of how they can get more information. And I, I'm I'm really grateful for the time we spent today. It was a fascinating conversation for me. Each time I have the opportunity, and please know I'll be happy to do it again at any time. Oh, my gosh. I thought it was a wonderful, wonderful show. I I love this subject matter. I want to talk to you after we get off air, so just hold on for a moment. Listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please share it with your friends. We live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I do to keep you apprised so that you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposely. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link for this show to everyone you know and let them have the same opportunity that you just had so they may learn and grow and make the world a better place for all. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, you know, go to quantumwellness.org, check out my Children's Foundation. Every dollar of every donation directly supports children in need 100%. We're run by volunteers. Nobody gets any money. If you work at Soji Huggles, you're working for free. (laughs) You are a volunteer. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio and at Soji Huggles. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof off my head I got a warm place to sleep So that's all I When I read
information um, about what I'm doing and how I am working. And then, you know, if you need mm-hmm. more personal time, you might consider the mentorship program. But I would try the the product first uh, and, and see where that gets you. And, and then, you know, you can go from there. Okay. I was going to order I, that program, but I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to see, is, should I start there or start with you? Or what do I need to start with? So I am going to order that kit because I think it would help with my practice immensely. You know, I would play with that kit first yep. and see how far that gets you. If you need personal time with me or personal guidance, then you could go into the mentorship uh, program. But I'm a believer that the least amount that gets the job done might be the perfect thing to do. And I appreciate that. You seem to work like I do. I mean, people come in and they'll say, oh, you're healing me. And I tell them, I'm not healing you. You're healing you. I'm shifting energy. But you're healing you. Your body knows what to do. It just needs to be shifted. (laughs) Yeah. Did you go to the energy psychology meeting down in Florida? I did not. I was not able to go to that, unfortunately. No. No. A close (laughs) friend of mine. Do you know who Jim Oshman is? No, James I don't. But I know that he wrote. Yeah, he wrote the forward to your book. I know that. Yeah, he wrote um, but a, I have not a, met he's him. Written, he's written several books. He was one of the keynote speakers there. I had just seen him mm-hmm. in Oslo, Norway, where we were both speaking at a international conference. But he's wonderfully, wonderfully knowledgeable and and lovely man. That if you get a chance to see him, you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, this stuff, energy work is just, it's, I live and breathe it, you know, and I just love it. It's what I do. And I volunteer for pediatric hospice and do the energy work for for the kids and the families because, you know, they know. Oh, that's so, and um, that's so, you know, I mean, in anything that you can learn, I love learning. So when I, when Jackie sent me this book, I was like, I know I need to add this somehow. This has to happen. And I was so excited about, about you and your work, and I looked you up, and I, you know, I mean, I really prepared for this show because I was like, I love this. I love this. I love this. So I'm so grateful for your time. I didn't realize you were in Hawaii. Um, <laughs> I yeah. don't know what time it is over there right now. <laughs> it's uh, two minutes after one in the afternoon. Okay, all right. So, so we're not, yeah, okay, that's the way the time would go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so you're uh, you're uh, probably six hours ahead of that. You're probably yeah. uh, two minutes after seven. Correct, yep. And I just, I really, yeah. this is so fascinating to me. The energy psychology, fascinating to me. Um, the positive psychology was fascinating, but it was like, yeah, okay, we all know this. But the energy psychology, totally fascinating to me. And I work with a lot of good doctors at good hospitals who, you know, a lot of people look at my work and say, oh, T does that woo-woo stuff. But the doctors don't. They never say that to me. They give me all the respect they can because they understand I'm helping their patients and they don't understand how it works. But they give me my respect, and I am grateful for that. And every time I can show them research, they're really thrilled to learn more. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that and everything that's happening in the world of medicine right now and how it's shifting. Um, and your book, to me, I just, I don't know, I just loved it, and, and I want to learn more. So I am going to order the kit, <laughs> and then I'll let Good. you know how it's going. <laughs> You got it. Reach out I anytime, really, and if we if I we really can do this again, it's time. always fun. Yes, my pleasure. Yes, yes. And, and I'll, you, thank you so very much. <laughs> and don't change a thing, and just keep doing what you're doing, because it's it sounds wonderful, and I love your work with kids. I spent years working with children, and it's uh, it's it's really heartwarming. So it just, is. It's just rewarding, keep you what know? you're doing. Your 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 blessing. Yeah, the my children's foundation came about. I don't have children. I had ovarian cancer. I had a hysterectomy. I don't have children. And I that just came about through dreams. And I found myself sitting in an attorney's office saying, can you help me establish a 501c3? And he goes, for what? And I said, Children's Foundation. He goes, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't really know, but I'm paying you to put this together for me and I'm going to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. 
good. You know, so good that you. yeah, that was one of those things. So yeah, so I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for your time so very very much. I appreciate it. And yes, I'd love to have you back. I'll be in touch with Jackie. Thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, just contact us uh, directly if you like. Uh, if you okay. just email, because Jackie um, has finished her stint with us and and uh, okay. is basically just forwarding it. So if you ever want to contact us, just email info at jacoblieberman.org. Let us know what you want to do and we'll make it happen. Oh, great. Oh, thank you so much, Dr. Lieberman. I really appreciate that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I will do that. And you have a great day. <laughs> the... And as I say, thank you, thank you, thank you to you. <laughs> <laughs> and you as well. Enjoy your day. <laughs> thank you. You too. Be well. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you. <laughs> 